Talk Show is brought to you by Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair and beauty source and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Holiday greetings, everybody. Hey, 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 you know me, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD, the celebrity doc. And this show is brought to you by myself and my co-host, Hisham Helen Mati, Hurricane H. This is Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. Our runaway talk show that is here to educate, inform, and entertain you. We're here at the holiday seasons, and so we have a special show for you because during the holiday season, we like to focus on holiday safety. So tonight, we have brought in one of my very favorite firefighters, one of my very favorite people, and my very favorite little brother, Curtis Bryant Jr., He's here, Las Vegas firefighter. He is also a Las Vegas rapper and record producer. And he is a featured actor in the movie that is just coming out, just premiered this week, N-Men, The Untold Story. And it is the, the story, the history of skateboarding uh, that came out of Northern California. Sacramento was the birth of the skateboarding revolution that has turned into a major sport today. Kurt is here to talk to us though about holiday safety and we're gonna hear more from him as a Las Vegas fireman. Kurt, tell us all about it. First of all, greetings, happy holidays to you and everybody out there. Blessings. I hope everybody's safe, warm, and is uh, gearing up for the holiday season. Um, as my lovely sister said, uh, my name's Curtis. Uh, I've been a, in the fire service for about 40 years. Uh, I'm about to wrap it up and retire, but I, I, I'm on here today as her guest to kind of just go over some safety tips so you and your loved ones can stay safe this holiday. Um uh, the first thing I want to bring up is that during these holidays, we have a lot of people that come to our homes to either stay or just visit. And uh, a lot of the visits, as we all know, turn into extended stays. And um, one of the things that uh, I always tell people when you do have company over it, whether they are, are, are scheduled to, to stay during the holidays or it just comes about staying is uh, go over your emergency plans because we we all know you know things we're cooking we're there's there's a lot of things going on whether you're barbecuing whatever, whatever you're doing but uh go over your emergency family plans with your with your guest hopefully you've done that with your family so your family knows in case of emergency whether it be fire uh gas whatever it may be um 
they all know where how to get out. First of all, to, how to uh, to safely egress your home, apartment, or wherever your or your part even party if you rented a uh, space, uh, a hall or something. Uh, make sure you go over your points of egress with all your guests to keep everybody safe. Um, especially in your home where there's there's you know different areas, doors that slide, things like that. We always don't when we are home. Uh, adhere to things like fire codes so uh, very often we may block an exit or or block a window so that point of ex egress will be cut off so as your guests arrive and before uh, you know uh, they get settled let them know hey uh, the, these are the back door the front door these are windows that can be used as possible egress i know it's kind of dry uh and it's something we usually don't do, but as as a society, we've been Americans, we need to do that because you just never know when an emergency is going to occur. So you let them know where your exits are, where, the, where your windows are, if your windows have locks or if you have sh uh, storm shutters or things like that, how to exit. Because uh, if you're not a trained firefighter or someone that's used to being put into those uh, predicaments, when it all comes down, uh, it's your adrenaline's high. You, it's very confusing, even if you are the homeowner, let alone if you're not the homeowner and you're unsure of hallways and uh, exit routes. So, so go over that with them. Along with that, once they do safely egress the home, the hall, apartment complex, wherever you may be having your event or company come, make sure you all understand and have agreed on a meeting place because as firefighters and emergency responders like myself show up uh our main goal is life safety life safety and then property conservation uh close second with that being said as, as soon as we go on scene we're going to ask the homeowner or whoever might have called in the fire has everyone been accounted for that's our main thing. That's a great starting point on how we are going to do our operations from then. If there's a missing child, a missing person in your house and no one's accounted for, the seat of the fire is going to take secondary as our initial rescue search for you. So we're going to ask, where was the, is anybody, everybody accounted for? And where was the last known location of that person that is not accounted for. That is going to dictate as we make entry to the facility, if we are going to go right, which we call a right-hand search pattern, or if we are going to go left, which we call a left-hand search pattern, to quickly as possible locate you. So these are these are just a few tips that, that are very important this holiday season. So Kurt, is it fair to say that it's probably a good idea as your guests are coming in to get a head count? Oh, always. Always know how many people are in your home. And that includes pets. pets, Because, uh, right. you know, there's nothing that spoils a holiday more than losing a pet, especially in a catastrophic fire. You know, pet, our pets are our people uh, just in fur form. So uh, yeah. You, yeah. always know how many people are in your house. Always know their location as well as pets. Okay, excellent. Now, let's talk about in the in unfortunate event that you do have a fire in your home. Um, it's important for everybody to escape. 
But we know that a lot of times people don't die from the fire, but they die from smoke inhalation. So how do people uh, deal with that? You know, you now have a fire in the home and there's smoke. What should they be doing to make sure that they can egress safely? Um, you're, you're, you're correct on that, sis. The, the, the most common deaths from fires is the uptake of, uh, of combustible particulates. Um, most modern homes nowadays are built fire code to have fire alarms in their building. I mean, in their, their homes, they'll have a fire detector and a, and a lot of, uh, homes now are built with carbon, carbon monoxide detectors. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, just backtracking a little bit, um, regardless if you're going to have company or not, make sure you keep, if you're, but if your fire detectors aren't hardwired to your electrical system, to your home, and they are merely battery operated, make sure you keep up with that battery. Don't wait for it to start chirping uh, to replace your batteries. Make a mental note, make a note in your phone, get your batteries in your detectors on an, a schedule, okay? Uh, and change all your batteries. That's that's rule number one, okay? And, and uh, uh, once once there is a fire, say there is a fire, especially a kitchen fire, because uh, 95% of the fires in the home are going to usually be kitchen fires. And then a, a close second of the cause is going to be a, electrical of some sort. Right. Um, as a homeowner, be a responsible homeowner. You can go online, Amazon, any of the chain stores, Target, Walmart, and you can get to a, a portable fire extinguisher, the type of fire extinguisher I suggest uh, everyone have in their home is an ABC fire extinguisher. And what does that at uh, what is that basically used for? It's it's used for any type of combustibles. The A, which is the, the class A combustibles, that's your cardboard, cardboard, your papers, things of that nature, your class B will be your flammable liquid liquids, which will cover any kitchen gas. I mean, kitchen fire as far as uh, hot oil or anything like that. A lot of people will uh, do fried turkeys and things like that. And so I always have a ABC extinguisher standing by. And the C of that is a, any type of electrical uh, equipment that may catch on fire. There is another one, class D, and that's for uh, metals, heavy metals and things like that. But an ABS, your standard ABC six pounder uh, ABC extinguisher will do just fine. And you can pick those one, any, uh, like I said, by any, any of the Walmarts targets or online. It's, 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 it's a reasonable cost for a great deal of safety. So put those rated readily available in your home. Um, if there are, if, if the fire is in its incipient stage, which, which is your beginning stage, uh, don't, you know, once you purchase the fire extinguisher, read it, learn how to pull the tab, learn what it says on it. The instructions are, are pretty basic. It's like an AED. You read the prompts. It'll tell you what to do. But please, by all means, do that before it's time to fight the fire. And, and just they, for our audience, uh, the benefit of our audience, because some people aren't going to know what an AED is. Can you explain to the audience what an AED is? An automatic, an automatic defibrillator. Uh, defibrillator. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 that's off the, off 
that's more in the medical field, but uh, an AED is just uh, 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 an automatic defibrillator that will auto-convert your heart or your heart rhythms uh, and give you a better chance just in case you have a myocardial infarction, better known as a heart attack. But, but um, uh, buy the extinguisher, read the back, um, and with your family members, make sure they understand the proper uses of it to include your kids, your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope it never happens, but there I responded to fires where uh, little ones were cut off from from their parents or, or, you know, or in a panic, the parents got out of the house and children were left left in the house. So, I mean, if there's a small fire extinguisher, which they come in six pounders and uh, show show your child how to use it, you know, show your show your child how to use it and give him an honest fighting chance before we arrive on scene. Put it in an area that's readily available. Learn how to use it and know your limits. You know, if that fire was a, a stove or gas fire and it has already caught the curtains and it's starting to advance past the recipient beginning stages, don't be a hero. Get out of the building. Don't even think about the fire extinguisher. But mm-hmm. if, the, if the fire's small, it's on the, the stove or something or it's in the garbage can and uh, you can safely and comfortably fight it. The fire's not taller than you. It's only it's stationary in that room hasn't consumed uh, the room, then go ahead and put the fire out and then then exit the building at all times. But uh, that's what now, you that's what you buy the fire extinguisher for. So you might as well use it. Now, how about if you're not, if you don't have immediate access to the fire extinguisher, which I do recommend if you, know, you have a fire extinguisher. Again, he says that the most likely place that you're going to get the fire is in the kitchen at the stove. So that fire extinguisher is best near the place where you're going to get the fire. But in the event that the, that the fire extinguisher is not readily available or maybe the pin won't pull or whatever, um, can you talk about smothering fires or, or what we can do aside from throwing water on the oil fire and why we don't do that? Can you tell us about that? Yes. And before I do that, though, like I said, in in situations like this, everybody's going to react different, especially if you've never been in that situation and you're not trained. Um, mm-hmm. It's always safe. It's it's you know, no one wants to lose their home. But if you have a doubt that you can safely fight the fire, evacuate, evacuate and make sure everybody's out of the house on your way out the door. You yell fire, fire, fire. Uh but if yeah, that house is expendable, you are not. <laughs> yes, but if you are comfortable and the fire is, let's say, contained to the stove, take a deep breath, don't panic, <laughs> and look for the lid. Mm-hmm. The fire in the fire triangle, the fire has elements that keep the fire going. All you do is cut off one of those ele- elements, whether it's the fuel, whether it's the oxygen. You know, uh, you just cut off one of those elements. In this case, you would cut off the element of oxygen by placing the lid on top of the pan. It smothers the fire out. You have to think why we take a deep breath is because we see a fire. And what do we know? Water puts out fire. Okay. well, when you have a grease fire, you don't want to splash that cold water on that hot grease because that's just going to make it pop up and then the. Usually what happens is the grease splatters on you, the pan's on fire, 
the grease is hot, you drop the pan, now the pan and the fire go everywhere, and now the room becomes fully involved. So take a deep breath, realize what you have, put the lid on the fire, back away. The fire will go out, the fire will smother itself. And turn the stove off. Yeah, well, get away from the stove, let the fire die down, and then once it's clear, go back and turn the stove off. <laughs> now, in the event it's an electrical fire, uh, same thing, the ABC, remember the C is for electrical fires. Uh, let's go back to the grease fire. Let's say you don't have a stove cover or you don't have a pot cover. Uh, and you do, you did properly place your fire extinguisher uh, readily available within arm's reach. Um, it hasn't gone once again past its incipient stage of burning. So there's not a lot of combustible uh, uh, particulates in the air. So you can still breathe clearly enough to fight the fire. Grab your fire, um, fire extinguisher, pull the pin, extend the hose, aim, and in a sweeping motion, sweep across the stove top. Okay? And that agent, once it cakes on that grease, it will smother that fire down. But once you, uh, extinguisher, uh, once you start and decide to combat that fire, you discharge, completely discharge that uh, extinguisher, okay? You don't want to rekindle uh, and have a false sense of security just that because the fire got knocked down. You completely discharge that fire extinguisher until there's nothing of that agent left. And then put the extinguisher down, back out of the home, let the, um, on the way out, open up your doors or whatever of your point of egress and let the smoke particulates clear out of the building. By then we're on our way and we can assess the damage, make sure there's no further progress. The fire it didn't get any up into any crawl spaces or any false ceilings. That's our job. As long as you're outside safe, then we're equipped with personal protective equipment to do our job. Okay, now, uh, Curtis, in the event the fire has uh, gotten out of control and say your way of egress is, is blocked by fire, um, what is the safest way to try and get through that fire? You've got heavy smoke, you've got fire. What is the safest way to try and get out so that you don't stay trapped in? I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be at risk going through, but what is the safest way to get yourself out? Um, well, at that point, uh, if you're, cause you just said that your points of egress are blocked. So at that point, you're not going to get out. So this is what you're going to do. Uh, we all know hot air rises. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the good air, uh, as, as, as we all know, it's going to be lower. So the first thing you want to do is get down low and crawl. Okay. You want to crawl closest and quickest to the furthest point of the fire. Okay. If it starts in the kitchen. You want to be in the back bedroom. Next, you want to be next to a window. If you can't break that window, which, uh, you know, maybe it has storm shutters or something like that. You want to break it from the inside, even if you can't get out and just scream at the top of your lungs. I'm in here. I'm in here. I'm in here. Because when we get on scene and someone tells us there's 
two people unaccounted for, we are going to do, like I said, the right or left hand search pattern to find you. If when we arrive on scene, we can hear you screaming from the A side, B side, C side, D side of the building, that's when we're, when as we make entry, that's where we're going to go first. So that's what you want to do. You want to get down on all four, crawl, because that's where the good air is, to the, the furthest point of the fire, and you want to get into the bedroom or whatever room. You want to close the door. If you can, wet a towel, put it up underneath the door so as the smoke rolls through, it'll have another barrier. You want to break that window or breach the wall if you can and and, and scream, I'm in here. If if that's If that's not possible, go into the bathrooms. Do the same thing. Get you a wet towel. Put it underneath the door to stop the, the advancement of the smoke. And just get into the bathtub, okay? Um, historically, these are the areas when we make entry as firefighters that we're going to look for you. The only other uh, place that when it comes into regards of children uh, is kids, when they get scared, they hide under beds. Mm-hmm. That's tough for us, Okay. But so you tell your kids from Jump Street as part of your egress and emergency plan, tell them never to hide under beds. That makes it really tough for us to locate you because we enter a facility. It's dark anywhere. We don't know your floor plan. So we're bumping into furniture. We're looking for you. We don't hear anything. Under beds is a, is a really bad place for you, for, for anyone to hide. So get in a bathtub, get into the back rooms, close the door wet rags, put them under the door and, and, and keep low and keep it moving. Perfect. Perfect. Now you talked about having a fire safety plan. How often should people go through a fire drill? Because I know that the drilling is really important because I had the experience. Um, I worked in Texas and I had the pleasure of being one of the um, original physicians when the hospital was opening. So I was part of that planning. And as part of the planning, we had the fire safety planning and we had our first drill. And I I like to use this one as an example because it was an example that even people who are trained in the excitement of the event that can forget about their their training and some of the medical personnel didn't do very well, but some of the fire department even didn't do very well because at the end of at the end of the uh, the mock scenario, they couldn't find two of the firefighters and they're like, well, where did those guys get off to? Well, they had managed to get themselves into the elevator and got locked in the elevator when the elevator shafts closed for the fire. So, you know, they didn't follow their usual um, protocol. And if people haven't drilled and drilled, which is why we have mock drills, then, you know, in the chaos and the excitement, the adrenaline's pumping, you're not thinking clearly, and you might not go through the scenario uh, very well, but the more you drill, the more it becomes kind of rote for you. So how how often would you say that we should drill to get to that point where we're likely to go on to, to automatic and just function the way we need to, to get through the situation before we pa- fall apart? Because after the adrenaline is, is gone, we all fall apart. So how, how often do you think that we should drill 
um, our fire safety with our, our families. Um, here's the thing. It, a, a lot of it depends on the aptitude of your family. I mean, mm -hmm. I could tell you, uh, do a monthly drill. Uh, I could tell you uh, every six months. I could tell you, uh, you know your family. You uh, you know the layout of your house. If I if I live in a two room apartment, I, do I have to do a fire drill that much? No, because there's there's usually going to be only one way, uh, exit or possibly two means of exit. It mm -hmm. depends on the complexity of your home. It depends on how many people. It depends on you know. Do you live in a multi story you know two story home where mm -hmm. people can be at uh, different area it, it there's so many variables I, mm -hmm. I would say initially get together work the plan out get an extinguisher and during that that month of first putting this plan in hold several drills to include okay there's there's a, there's a stovetop fire okay um in the third bedroom there's a simple trash can fire do mm -hmm. these scenarios so everybody gets on the same page, you know, and you can even include with that at that same time. OK, there's a trash can fire in bedroom two in Johnny's bedroom. There's an extinguisher there. It's put out. There's a heavy buildup of smoke because it caught the curtains on. And you can incorporate the egress drill with that mm -hmm. fire drill. And like what that does, what that does, it gets everybody in an automatic mode of thinking versus uh adrenaline and panic because now you're going to think of fire 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 okay within a fire what are my first steps can i breathe as the do i see smoke do i know where the fire is do i know where i'm at during this fire and where my closest egress is you're going to start thinking like that you're going to start thinking like a fireman so you know uh you know do two or three drills in the, the first you know the month that you uh, develop the plan and get an extinguisher you know and after that like i said it's the aptitude of the family involved you know uh once it becomes a happen place that you know what you're doing then you know you can uh, every two three months every six months whatever go ahead it just depends on your family and your situations I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, now, let me ask you this, because we've talked about stove fires and, and things. But again, we're here at the holidays and let's talk about Christmas trees and, and candles. Um, I know that when we were growing up, we had those big Christmas bulbs on the on the strands that got very very hot and would set the trees on on fire and so now they've got the little twinkling lights that tend to stay stay cool but people can I think get a little bit over secure with that because it is still an electrical uh, cord so you know what are some of the things that people can do to keep the home safe when they're using uh, a Christmas tree and Christmas lights and uh, the, the candles? I mean, it, it's not just Christmas time. It's, it's Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, and a lot of people are using candles and such. Well, as, as far as Christmas lights now, the, the UL laboratory has 
you know, they've put stricter over the years, they put stricter regulations on uh, Christmas lights and things like that. And now today, with everybody trying to be more uh, conserve energy, most most of those are going to be LED anyway. So you're not going to get the heat build up, even if your tree is is paper dry, you're not going to set those trees on fire just because the way the industry's lights are made. But the main thing is take a common sense approach. Be vigilant. You know, put put water under your tree. Make sure your tree doesn't dry out. Make sure your tree isn't close to a heating element. If you're if you're heating the house with a, a buck stove or if you're heating the house with a portable heater, make sure that's not in close proximity to your trees further dehydrating and drying out the trees the lights you really don't have to work worry as much and the thing with most lights which most people do anyway uh in the year 2020 is they put all their lights on timers so mm -hmm. the christmas tree's on and you set it for 10 11 everybody turns in the, the, the tree lights go off but with right. them being leds they, they don't heat up to that point anyway um and as far as candles you got to take a common sense has to come into play. You you got to be vigilant to, to to someone has to be the responsible adult to say, if we let light the candles, we got to put the candles out, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, don't place the candles uh, in an area. You know, look up, look down and look around before you place that candle to make sure that flame isn't going to be impinging on something through convection that it's going to eventually catch on fire. You, mm -hmm. you have to take a common sense approach for you and your loved ones. Now, at this time of the year, a lot of uh, people in their decorating choice, they put the candles into a paper bag. Do you recommend against that? You know what, depending on your religion and things like that, that is, a, that is a common place. Uh, mm -hmm. And they, they have no bag that, you know, they, even that they have no burn bags. They have bags that are coated the inside that are coated with, uh, you know, kind of kind of a fire retardant thing just just right. for those purposes. You know, just like when you see the people uh, during morning and they'll lay out the uh, the floating candles and right. they have them. So make sure you get the products that support that. Don't get your everyday uh, bag from the from the from the you out shopping someplace and put a candle in it and burn it it's not gonna right. it's not gonna work out for you well so once again a little common sense has to be in play you know use the proper things if you're going to uh indulge in those those type of uh, ceremonies and things like that mm -hmm. and they also have those little led candle lights that you can put into the bag yeah, you can you can do that a lot a lot of people are you know especially if you, your family's from the old country they're going to be more traditionalist mm -hmm. so they're going to use candles you know right. uh you just, it's just a common sense thing we have to stop and think about the hazards of of what we're doing and uh how we can prevent emergencies and accidents you know it just takes a second of time of prevention uh to save your life or have you enjoy your holidays without a catastrophic, you know, event or an emergency occurring. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, if you can just sum that up three to five points that these are the first, things that you really all, have to do. First of all, as you're going into the holidays, take a walk around your home, Get your decorating plan, your your company plan, 
put the plan together and have that in, in, uh, in, in incorporated with your emergency egress plan. Uh, look at your decoration displays. Make sure you're going to have a display that's safe. Uh, make sure it's 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 adequate for what you want to do, but uh, don't what we call fire load something, you know. Uh, and and extension cord safety, you know. I mean, in most homes now are 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 equipped with GFIs, you know, ground fall indicators. And so if you overload that 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 outlet, it's going to pop the GFI, turn everything off. Okay, so. We've been talking about um, fire safety and things that we typically are going to experience in the city and in the in the suburbs. Um, we can still experience this in the city and in the suburbs, suburbs, but out in the countryside, like where I was living before, a lot of the households actually use wood-burning fireplaces to heat and you know certainly uh anybody who has a fireplace around the the uh holidays if they are in the city they'll want to crank up the fireplace because it you know it, it's 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 merry and it's atmosphere and the the whole bit so can you talk about fire safety as far as fireplaces go and prepping fireplaces and managing fireplaces if we are going to have our fireplaces active during the holidays um all i can really say about that i don't have a vast knowledge of that but it's a take like i the, the common theme i've been saying is take a common sense approach mm -hmm. make sure the the soot build up on your fireplace mm -hmm. uh clean get it cleaned um your chimney make sure there are no birds nests you know and no birds roosting in your chimney so as the smoke rises it doesn't catch that bird nest on fire uh causing the nest to fall down into the fire um make sure your flute your flute works you know that can open and close and make sure obviously when you start the fire open the flute so the smoke goes out of the chimney instead of into the structure mm -hmm. um and just you know don't don't overload your fireplace where it's the embers are back burning out into your home or they are going in the proper place and uh stack them to the back you know, and, and, and just just fire safety basics for using a fireplace. Now, like my home, I, I my residence is in Las Vegas and all of our chimneys and new construction are of gas nature. So um, check your pilots. Um, and uh, make sure that all your connections are good. Uh, if you smell you turn it on and you smell gas, obviously there's, you know, by moving furniture around and things like that, uh, something has happened to that feeder line. So immediately turn it out and call call your local utility gas company, and they can come out and do a uh, a safety check on your line all the way to the to the uh, gas meter and beyond. You know, so use basic training, basic things like that when you are using a a, a wood fireplace. Um, and you're going to leave it unattended because, you know, like I said, some people have the regulars and then some people have things like a, a buck stove. Um, don't fire load around that. Uh, mm -hmm. So the heat 
will transfer over to packages, Christmas presents, anything like that, and cause cause fires, you know. But it's That's it's a it's, good it's point. pretty common sense and basic understanding of it's not. Yeah. And if you have little kids, uh, you know, it's it's smart to get those screens so they can't directly touch a fireplace and, or get close enough when in play to fall against trip or whatever and get burned by the fireplace or worst case scenario, fall into the fireplace. Right, right. Absolutely. And also with, with pets, if you have pets around the fireplaces as well. So, and then pets, one of pets, pets, sorry. Go ahead. Pets are a little bit smarter than us. So when they, pets are a little bit smarter than us. So when they feel the heat, they're not going to go near it anyway, you know? Well, not necessarily. So <laughs> unless I had a dumb cat, because that cat was intrigued by the fire. Yeah, I've been a firefighter for 40 something years and I've never had to respond on a cat or a dog that mm -hmm. went into the fireplace, caught on fire, ran out, started to curt. Never. <laughs> never. Uh, well, had you know, so, um, pets, yeah, you know? I mean, it wasn't uh, a matter of the cat catching itself on fire, but, you know, it was batting at, mm -hmm. at things. And, you know, if you don't keep that door closed it will bat at stuff and some of the stuff flying out because especially as the fire is starting to to build up you'll get stuff flying out of the um the fireplace and if the cat bats at it or the cat's running by it and playing around it it can move stuff around and set up fires and i actually i brought that one up because i did have the cat do that so um and then the other thing though that uh is a big deal um is that when you're cleaning that fireplace out and you put the embers in the bucket and, you know, they look like they're, they look, they may look like they're out, but the, the core, the inside of those embers can actually be quite hot still. So make sure that you don't put those around anything that could potentially ignite. Um, and, you know, I mean, best of, to actually put water in them and make sure that they're they're completely out because yeah, I that's what I was going to say. You always should take it one step further. Go to a safe place, uh, pour water in there, and let it sit and let the container cool down before you put it back in its place. Yes, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So those have been some some great safety tips for fire safety, and uh, that was the crux of what we wanted to talk about uh, in this particular show. But because this is really a, a, a very special occasion, um, my brother is here in Sacramento. As I said, he's a Las Vegas uh, firefighter, but he is here in Sacramento and he is here in Sacramento specifically for the premiere of Inman, The Untold Story. So I'm going to give you a, a, a minute, Kurt, to just Tell us about the movie and and the experience. Uh, share that with our with our audience. Um. Yeah. The uh, the Inman story is basically, in a nutshell, when skateboarding started in California in sixties and seventies, eighties, when it's really uh, 
progressed from taking steel wheels off your sister's skates and nailing them to a board to actually <laughs> yes he did do that. Make a toy that <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make a toy that actually is for skateboarding um northern california and southern california was right in the crust of that i mean you have the the, the especially southern california because you have the beaches and uh, what are the what are the beach boys and all that what are they known for surfing well, when there was no waves or it got too cold to surf or whatever, they still wanted to keep up their skills and 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 practice their surf motions so they would ride skateboards. Um, as skateboarding got to a point where it it, it was profitable, um, skateboards started to advance. They 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 went to trucks that could actually turn, and trucks are the things. Think of them as axles. Uh, the wheels attached to the trucks, the truck attaches to the board. Um, they started making trucks that could turn so you could, you know, do circles and then and do turns on sidewalks. And then after that, they, the urethane wheel was soon uh, invented. So now you could actually ride on the road with a smoother ride. And then it just progressed from that, you know, um, from a, used to be wood planks, and then it went on to uh, laminated boards, to fiberglass boards, to it just went through a series of changes to try and make better equipment. And then the advent of PPE, personal protective equipment, helmets, gloves, wrist braces, shoes, everything started becoming uh, the norm for skateboarding. Well, at that particular time, um, Skateboarding had taken off in Southern California to the point where it became more, more of a commonplace sport. It wasn't just a rogue sport of kids just, just riding down safe uh, sidewalks, uh, running people off the sidewalks. It became an actual sport and they started having competitions and uh, things like that. Well, at that same time in Northern California, you know, people moving and being transient people started moving to Northern California that were in Southern California and started skateboarding. So skateboarding started to advance and get big there. So now on the West coast of California, you have the sport uh, and of, of skateboarding. So as it went on and companies got involved and said, okay, this skateboarding could be lucrative. We'll start having amateur teams, start having professional teams. Uh, that's about the time when I got into skateboarding and um, was able to get some good mentors that helped me advance uh, far enough to where I was able to join one of those teams. And the team and group of guys that I skated with were called the N-Men for the Northern Men versus the Dogtown crew with, that was in the South. And uh, over like a decade, the two teams, Northern California and Southern California, started engaging in competitions back and forth for superiority of sort of superiority of California's skateboard title and scene. And I just happened to be part of the Northern men, which called the end men. And uh, now we're all in our forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies, the original end men. Uh, and they, I live in Las Vegas, they live in California, but they still go out on the weekends and skate. To this day, um, some of our older guys, Jamie Hart, Cliff Coleman, they're world champions and they still skate, you know, and Cliff Coleman goes around the globe teaching downhill skating and slalom skating. 
So it's become big business, you know. It's become really big business with big sponsors. A good friend of mine, which is probably known as the godfather of skateboarding, Don Bostic, uh, was able to realize his 70s dream of actually getting skateboarding into the Olympics. And now it is an Olympic sport. So uh, shout, big shouts out to Mr. Bostic and his lovely wife, Danielle, because you did it. And you've made skateboarding an acceptable global sport. And I'm, I'm honored to know him and his wife uh, for being the trailblazers for that. But we do an annual Christmas party. And then there was a gentleman that would hang out with us in the early days uh, that documented all this. And years later, you know, we're looking at 20, 30 years later, he has put this collective of film and pictures together and has uh, created a film called In Men, The Untold Story. And I just happened to be in that film as one of those in men. And uh, uh, he's just going to tell the, the world our story versus the Dogtown guys on the uh, southern end. So look out for that. It's called In Men, uh, The Untold Story. The film director is a uh, great friend of mine, amazing director. His name is Jim Swagger. And um, right now it's getting ready to do the film festivals. And then he's going to move it on into commercial, thea uh, commercial theaters. It's a great film. I, I previewed it and my, I had uh, the, the honor of my lovely sister as being my date for the premiere and um it's a great film there's highs there's lows and he documented skateboarding history very well and it's a film for everybody not even if you're not a skateboard enthusiast you'll enjoy this film yeah i totally agree with that uh i mean I'm a bit of a skateboard enthusiast because my brother was a skateboarder and my son is a skateboarder. Both of them were on teams. So, you know, I know a little bit about skateboarding. I am not a skateboarder. I have gotten on a skateboard. I can push one, but <laughs> I'm not a skateboarder. But I found the film just absolutely excellent. It was a, a, it was a documentary. It gave an interesting history of skateboarding. And I mean, you know, I've had skateboarding in my my life a good chunk of it because my brother was very young when he started. And even still, I gained a significantly better understanding of skateboarding and uh, a greater respect for it, both the art of it, the history of it, the culture of it, because it does have a very strong culture. And, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the celebrity doc. This show is about health and there is a health component to the skateboarding because uh, in the film, they talk about how a lot of these guys were uh, loners or some of them were, were misfits and skateboarding gave them a way of, fitting in it, it 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 was something that provided them with mental health and you know i as i talked to my son even about skateboarding and have watched him over the the years uh, i found that to be the case uh, you know a lot of these kids it's like a balm for for their souls and they're passionate about it but the interesting thing about the skateboarding is it's not just a passing, fleeting thing. A lot of these people do stay in skateboarding 
for life. I mean, uh, my brother is still a young man, but he's on the other side of 50 and he's still skating. And, you know, you've got guys out there that are 60 and 70 and and, and women out there as well, um, because skateboarding is really cool because it is all inclusive, all races, both sexes, you know, ages, cultures. It, it, it's just it's really pretty fascinating. And so, you know, for that reason alone, it made the the film very interesting. But even though it was a documentary, it wasn't your dry documentary because it did have story to it and it told the stories of different people. And there was even a very emotional component. And as I was telling my son about it, because he didn't uh, attend the premiere with me and my brother, as I was telling him about it, for those of you who have seen Wakanda forever, um, I actually kind of likened it to Wakanda forever because there was a tribute component uh, in there. And I mean, there were just, there were touching stories, you know, stories of, of growth, stories of people really bonding and supporting each other. It was just, it was an excellent film. It was an excellent film. And, and thank you so much, Kurt, for inviting me. That was really a special moment. Yeah, James, Jim, Jim really did a, James really did a, uh, uh, an amazing job of putting that story together and telling the story and also uh, honoring the founders in that story. You know, uh, it, it, it all had to start someplace and Doug and John O'Shea, really good friends of mine. John has passed on, let him rest, but may his soul rest in peace. But Doug is still with us. And um, it's, it's an honor knowing him because there's a historical component to that film that kids today, 20 down, that uh, see the film will get a better understanding because now kids that start skateboarding, all they see is the diversity. You know, mm -hmm. you go to a skate park or you go down the street and uh, you'll see blacks, whites, girls, boys, all skateboarding. But back in that day, um, there wasn't, there wasn't, there was only two in that area people of color that skateboarded one yeah, was the founder and i was the other one there was there was a few others sprinkled in you know of, of spanish descent we had some orientals but it was mainly a caucasian type sport you know while uh, uh and we were kind of you know because i played all sports but uh if you did skateboarding as a person of color you were kind of looked at as what do you know why are you doing that and uh, now I just get a smile whenever I drive past a skate park or see a group of, of, uh, you know, people skateboarding and the diversity of that group and the acceptance of that group, it makes, makes me smile because I realize, uh, that I was a part of getting this sport to that level of diversity. And, and, and I, I, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I'm pretty proud of that. And, Doug, the founder, is very proud of that. Yes, and, and you should be. I mean, it, it is a big deal, and it has been a positive influence on the lives of a lot of young people, a lot of young people who would have otherwise been kind of lost out there, found something that they could embrace that 
gave their their lives meaning that helped them to feel positive about themselves and helped them to uh, mature into productive adults. I mean, you know, these these were the these were the kids that were kind of on the edge, and some of them, you know, were getting into trouble. And now you run into these end men. And, you know, they're doing all sorts of things. And, 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 you know, some of them are pillars of community. We've got firemen. Uh, they're doing all sorts of things. And I, actually, I have a, a, a funny skateboarding story because I had gone to visit my brother in, in Vegas. And one of the things that the end men were known for was skating pools. And there was a pool in, in Vegas and uh, it was empty. And so we went to, to skate the pool and we went to skate the pool with, um, it was a lawyer, right? The guy that was went with us was a lawyer. It was uh, you, me, a lawyer. And I think Devante went and the police uh, did eventually come along and we were laughing and joking about it because we were saying, oh, well, that would just be a, a, a great headline. And a doctor, lawyer and firefighter arrested skating pool. And um, Cheryl girl wasn't skating the pool because I'm uh, not trying to do that. Because <laughs> these guys actually, they're, you know, these pools are like six foot. And I mean, they even have higher drops than that. And they're dropping into these pools to skateboard. So, you know, kudos to them for courage. That uh, It takes a lot of brass to do that. And uh, yeah. there are a lot of broken bones accordingly. But, uh, you know, I mean, skateboarding is the, the kind of a sport that even though these guys are getting broken up, they're still going back to it and they're still loving it. So, um, you know, I think it's kind of like golf. It's addicting, you know? <laughs> um, well, for us, there's an element that unless you're a skateboarder at a certain level, you're never going to get. Um, oh, yeah. For a lot of people that skate at a certain level, it's escapism to yeah. the, the mm -hmm. utmost. I mean, because you got to actually think, we are going against so many of laws of physics right as the globe is is rotating in a certain direction we're going the other direction sometimes you're going backwards uh gravity's trying to push you down we're defying that we're going up uh you stand uh, on a skateboard a certain direction skateboarders sometimes stand on it the other direction and they're actually not on the planet because they're actually rolling on the reels. So if, right. if you think about it, it's complete escapism of so many things that you skateboard at a certain level as a lot of my friends are still skating. And uh, it's it just takes them to a different realm. You know, they are mm -hmm. they are connected uh, to movement. And it's 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 it's. Uh, it's almost like a Zen type thing with them yeah. when they're doing that. You know, mm. I've got like people like Jamie Hart and Cliff Co uh, Co Coleman. Uh, like I said, they're going 70 miles an hour, you know, in Europe down a hill on a skateboard. Yeah. You are dialed in. Yes. You don't care about your mortgage. You don't care about anything. You are dialed in and you are along for the ride. And that's like Zen for them. You know, yeah. 
Now let's talk about the new skateboarding because the, the skateboarding has changed over time. And that, I mean, the things that these kids are doing now are insane. I mean, they're, they're, it, it, it's art, it's beautiful, but it's crazy. Let, it, let's talk about that a little bit. What's that look like compared to what you all were doing? Oh, it's, it's, you know what, as far as risk value, it's, it's, it's not any crazy that, you know, they go off rails, they do things like that. But yeah, um, yeah. well, what you were doing was crazy. I mean, if you're on a, nothing but a board and you're going down a hill at 70 miles an hour and, you know, yeah. this is this is soft flesh. And if it contacts that pavement, you're going to do damage. And I mean, I've seen some gnarly falls on skateboarders. So that's crazy. The, the skateboarding changed uh, where as the street skaters don't do a lot of vertical deep bowl riding like that we did. They right. do street skaters where they do stairs and things, rails and all kinds of different like that. But, you know, I'm not going to take anything from them because the tricks that they're doing on those rails and things are, are tough. You have to practice hours and hours. I, I, my hat's off to them. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's like any other sport, ice skating, skiing, whatever, the sport's going to evolve. It's never going to stay stagnant. There's always going to be equipment that's going to let you do things out of bounds of what you used to do. And that's what's happened to the sport, you know, um, which is and good. It, is sport. it really is a sport. Oh, I, I just, like I told you, it's in the Olympics. It's an a sanctioned Olympic sport. It's no, you yeah. know, so, I mean, uh, and like a friend of mine said uh, in the movie, everybody dresses like skateboarders now. You don't see too many people dressed like ice skaters. <laughs> right. And who are they watching in the Olympics? They're watching, like he said, they're watching the, the ice skaters and they're watching the skateboarders. <laughs> and usually it's the skateboarders, you know. That's right. And they're, and, and they're waiting for the half pipe of the snowboarders, you know. I mean, right. so... Uh, this that's this, the sport itself is now mainstream across yeah. the globe you know uh, yeah mainstream and ever evolving yeah and the inmen had a part in pushing it historically along with our brothers down south uh the z zephyr team z boys the dogtown boys and mm -hmm. uh I, i'm just happy that i was there to to see it all unfold and uh see a, a new sport created and 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 I, i'm just honored i'm still friends with all those guys uh we have a bond and a brotherhood that won't be broke and we lose at this age we're starting to lose them along the way but it, it continues a new crop of in men right there along the, the 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 way with us with the same values of brotherhood and you know right. And so that's what good. really struck yeah. me about it was the the brotherhood i mean you know yeah. you all are a very tight and and supportive group and uh yeah. it was it was really very touching watching it. it it was it was a wonderful experience and again thank you so much for inviting me to that right yeah it was the ultimate boys club <laughs> <laughs> I, but I love there, are girls. there are girls oh, yeah. there, are, there are girls in there 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 are girls uh and uh we love our in girls that skate right alongside with us and skate at the same level as us and uh yeah. it's not about sexism it's not about like i said once yeah. it, once once you recom once you get to a certain level then it, it's it has nothing to do with that it it has yeah. everything to do with that feeling you know 
that feeling you get riding that wooden plank with wheels on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was really proud of the the ladies. I mean, they were stepping up and receiving awards right a- along with the the men. And I mean, you know, they were tough. They were gutsy. So yeah. it, uh, it it's an impressive it's an impressive sport if you're really doing it. You know, people think, oh, skateboards. You know, they see someone pushing the board down the street on their way to work. Yeah, it's not that at all. It's a really impressive sport. So uh, you know, again, uh, if if you get an opportunity to go and see the movie when it comes out, it is worth a, a watch. And don't just say James yeah, Swagger, Inman, the Untold Story. Yep. Look it go up. See it. You'll enjoy it. That's right. And it is on both my uh, Instagram, on my social media, Facebook, uh, and it is on uh, Curtis's IG. And uh, his IG tag is Kurt Beasy. And you can also find him by just going to mine. You'll you'll you know, track through and you'll find my brother, Curtis Bryant. And uh, he's at Kurt Beasy. What's your Facebook tag? Same thing, Curtis E. Bryant or every my Twitter or Instagram, everything's at Kurt Beasy. Okay. So, so you can go to at Kurt Beasy, or again, you know, you can hit me up on on mine. Uh, you can hit us up on uh EMBC TV network, and you know, Hurricane will have uh it featured on his. So, you know, we'll put the information up about the the movie and go ahead and connect to my brother. He's always got interesting things coming up on his uh, social media and connect to us. We want you to tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you want more of. Connect to us, like us. And by all means, please leave comments and, and please share it with your friends. So you have been listening to Chatters That Matter. Let's talk about it. I'm your show host, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD, The Celebrity Doc. And my co-host is Hisham Elamati, Hurricane H. And our featured guest tonight has been none other than my brother, Curtis Bryant, Las Vegas firefighter, Inman actor, and again, he, he is a, a rapper extraordinaire there in the, the Las Vegas area. Watch this again if you get a chance and soak in those safety tips because yes. those are going to be very important for please everyone season. having a safe and happy holiday. Uh, Merry Christmas and uh. Have a great and prosperous upcoming new year. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. Of course, you know, we'll be on the air all the way until the end of the, the new year. But if the, if you should happen to not uh, join us before the new year, and as Kurt said, you know, we want you to have a, a happy and prosperous new year. And we want you to have wonderful holidays. Uh, Even though this is a holiday show, these tips, these safety tips, fire tips are applicable all throughout the year. And this will be an evergreen show that you can find on YouTube and YouTube. Um, The recordings will be on Spotify, on the, on the radio uh, and, you know, all of the numerous other places you can find this show. But revisit them, remind yourselves of the tips, because above all, 
you do want to to stay safe and you know he has delivered some great nuggets of fire safety here so again thank you for joining us and have wonderful holidays you're listening to chatters that matters let's talk about it <laughs>